0: Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast exists to inspire and encourage your heart-centered leadership. Each week, I share interviews with some of the greatest heart-centered leaders in the world. And I hope that our time spent together helps you leave a heartprint where those around you are left better than yesterday. Please visit abty.co.uk if you would like us in your corner. These interview sessions are brought to you by Matt Media Online Marketing, an independent agency who specialize in content marketing, helping business owners get their message seen by the right audience. If you want to get your business seen through the power of social media, head to mattmedia.online. On episode 213, I am joined by public speaker, Jade Gordon. Jade is a graduate from Clemson University with a degree in communications. She has a passion and a mission to develop positive leaders and build great teams. She is a keynote speaker and a certified trainer with the John Gordon Companies. It's a great conversation, one that I hope inspires your positive leadership. It's episode 213 with Jade Gordon. Jade Gordon, welcome to the Always Best in Yesterday podcast. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: very very well i have been blessed to have two gordons on the podcast and here we go the third one is going to be the best one for sure
1: <laughs> i hope so
0: <laughs> i'd love to know a little bit about your upbringing what was it like growing up in the home of a world changer someone who speaks of leadership what's the What was your upbringing like
1: I always tell people, like people always ask me, what's it like growing up with the positive guy? And I always say (laughs) annoying, you know, because when it's your own parent, that's the last thing you want to hear. You Mm. don't want to listen to them at all. Um, And I just, me and my dad now are looking back and we're just seeing, you know, how growing up because he had this idea of leadership and Mm. wanted me to reach my full potential, there was a lot of accountability and there's right. a lot of pressure. Yeah. And so now, as an adult, learning that he did it because he wanted me to reach my highest potential. Love tough, right? Ex- exactly. But as a kid, it's like, it's hard sometimes because you have all this you want to meet these expectations, you want to impress your parents. And so I mean, I had an amazing childhood, my parents were so loving, so amazing. But when there's this, you know, idea of like being, you know, this leadership and this whatever it can be, it can be a lot. But I'm so grateful. My parents are amazing. And I love them more than anything.
0: Yeah, the reason I'm smiling is it's because kind of kind of tongue in cheek around what was it like growing up? Because the thing i've uh, i share a christian faith and um uh, you know one of the things that even jesus when he returns to his hometown because you know because of their unbelief he did few miracles and he moved on and and i think that's so true of you know being kind of an expert in something that you you can't be a prophet in your own home yeah <laughs> sometimes yeah. And, and and i find that my daughter's 7 and my son is 10 and no matter how much I might talk about heart-centered leadership, I'll I'll still get called out, you know, by my kids every now and again. We have this, uh, they have this mantra that's uh, like, we're heartlies and we help people.
1: Mm.
0: And if I don't help, and if I don't help, my kids when they want help they will call me accountable to that phrase
1: there you go yeah yeah no it's funny though because people always ask my dad like how do you stay so humble and he says i just go home you know on the road people are like oh my gosh are you john gordon and when he comes home he's like third in command we're like Right, right buddy." it's funny
0: yeah i love that i love that so um i understand that you went off to college went to clemson how was that experience
1: I loved it. I really did. I was there for three and a half years. I graduated early. So right before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, which was really good, but I loved it. And I honestly went because it's a football school Mm -hmm. and just like being in that camaraderie, that environment, that was like what I wanted. And it was, it was amazing. And now my brother is in his last year at Clemson. So he, you know, followed in my footsteps also Mm -hmm. is getting a degree in communication. So it's now a family thing, which I love.
0: Yeah I got a lot of time and respect for team gordon and I guess you know a lot of the things that you'll talk about in in your career that you do now is it's about purpose. Mm-hmm. I just love to know like what it was it like for you that's trying to figure that out like you've got this dad who's clearly full of purpose and and making an impact in the world um your mum very successful in her own right as well um Great entrepreneurial um, spirit, and 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 how do you find your own path? Like, how did, like, what, what was the, uh, what was the story there for you?
1: It was really hard because, like you said, there was like so much mm. expectation. Like, what I again got a degree in communications, and people were like, "Well, what are you going to do with it?" And I yeah. thought I was going to do something in sports, but I didn't really know what. And so I was pretty lost for a couple of years after I graduated, especially with the pandemic, with everything being shut down, like, why am I here? And I remember just being like, God, what have you called me to do? Like, what is my purpose? Because I honestly couldn't see myself doing anything. Like, it wasn't like, oh, maybe I could do this. It was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so um, I moved out to LA and I started working at a restaurant called Nobu Malibu. Mm -hmm. I love telling the story because it just like, <laughs> it's just so crazy when I think about it. But I was in a, like a very traumatic relationship and it was, it just ended. And I was like, God, I was focusing so much on this person. I need to focus on myself and figure out like what I'm supposed to do because I can't see myself working at this restaurant for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so I'm there at work one day and there's two women are sitting there and I walk by And the one woman says to the other one she says tell her the other one says no she said tell her and so i overhear this and so i walk over and i say hi ladies how can i help you and she said well honestly i wasn't going to say anything but we traveled all the way here from north carolina just to come to this restaurant because it's a very famous restaurant celebrities are there all the time and she said you know the lord has blessed me so i was prepared to bless somebody else But my server was awful. We had awful service. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I can get a manager and let them know. You know, that's not the standard that we have here. And she said, no, it's okay. I just wanted to tell someone. I said, oh, well, you said you came from North Carolina. I went to Clemson in South Carolina. And immediately her tone changed and she said, oh my gosh, what are you doing all the way out here? I said, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated and I figured LA was the best place to figure it out, right? The land of opportunity. And um, she said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, can I pray for you? I said, please, I would love that. (laughs) And so she starts praying for me and she says, God, I know this girl is fearful. I know she's afraid to step into what you've called her to do, Mm -hmm. but allow her to step into her passion, her purpose with faith, allow her to step into that, so that she can honor and serve you. And she said, I see her traveling all over the country, speaking and impacting people. She didn't know who my dad was, what he did, what I was even thinking about maybe doing. And when she said this, I started crying. She was crying again. I'd never met this woman in my life. Mm-hmm. And so it was this moment of like, okay, wow. And then she said to me, She said, I believe God had me come all the way across the country. Have awful service just to tell you that. Mm. And I was like, okay, God, like if this is a sign that you want me to speak, (laughs) I'm going to step into that. And so I worked for another month, saved up some money, quit my job, went back to Florida, stayed with my parents for a little bit, Mm. and said, Dad, I'm ready. And my dad, being my dad, he said, All right, figure it out, sink or swim. (laughs) And so I just started speaking to anybody who would listen. I went to like youth groups and my old lacrosse team, and then eventually, you know, started to get gigs and and book different things. And now it's like, wow, that one woman changed my life. And I don't know who she is, I don't know how to find her, but like, it makes me think about how we all have a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And how one person at any time can change the course of your life forever.
0: Hey friends, just wanted to take a moment to ask if you are a good man seeking growth, and good men to grow with. Or maybe your partner's a good man and he's seeking good men to grow with. We are launching Akira, our council of good men who are seeking to walk the path of wisdom with other good men. Akira launches in March. Now is the opportunity to become a founding member of Akira. It will be a low cost, high value place for men where they'll benefit from support, challenge, accountability, ideas and solutions, There'll be opportunity for connection and collaboration where you'll receive new insights and perspectives. You'll gain learning and growth. It will improve your mental, spiritual and physical well-being and it will help you be a better leader in the home, in business and in life. It's Akira, a council of good men seeking to walk the path of wisdom with other good men. We hope to see you on the inside, see the show notes for the links, abty.co.uk forward slash Akira. And here we go. Back to the interview. I love that story. It gives me goosebumps. And um, I think that's it, isn't it? Because, you know, some of it is, and I guess the the loaded question I gave you was one of, how did you discern? Is this mm-hmm. what I should be doing? Is this what I think I ought, you know, the product of the mind is more built up with expectation of maybe some of the world and, and others, and then, then there's God's purpose for you. And and I love how that kind of came through for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was special. And I definitely, it was one of those things where obviously with, with my dad doing it for so long and having this reputation, it was very scary where I was yeah. like, I don't know. I don't want people to think that I'm like trying to be my dad yeah. or there's this expectation of like, okay, well, is she as good as her dad? You know? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of fear there, a lot of imposter syndrome, But I said, you know, God, if this is what I'm called to do, just make a way for me. Just allow me to have faith that if this is what I'm supposed to do, you will show me that because I really went into it being like, this is not what I'm like. I was like, God, if this is what I'm supposed to do, great, but I'm not going to force it. And so if I'm going to do a couple gigs or I'm going to speak at a couple events and I realize that this is really not for me, then that's okay. I'll figure something else out. But I mean, I'm a year a year in now, so I feel like it is what I'm called to do. So
0: yeah, I see you've spoken at teams at Clemson and uh, a number of different organizations as well. And um, like, what is that like? You know, what is that like taking that material, sharing that message, making that impact? How does that feel?
1: It feels really good, especially knowing that growing up, I was like, this stuff is annoying, you know. And so now <laughs> that I'm 24, I'm like interacting with so many people and seeing the impact that this has that my dad has you know and it gives me even more of an appreciation because when I was younger he was always on the road and he always says to me like do you you know do you feel like I was always gone Mm -hmm. And I really didn't, because when he was home, he was present. So I didn't really realize that he was gone all the time. Mm -hmm. But looking back and seeing that he was traveling so much to spread this message and to try and change people's lives, because that was his mission. Mm -hmm. It like gives me such a I mean, he's my favorite parent, and I love him more than anything, but it gives me even more of an appreciation of like, wow, he really worked so hard because he felt like this was his purpose. And he said, God, I'm going to live this out. I'm going to honor and serve you by trying to impact millions of people. And I'll even be out and people are like, oh my gosh, like, is your dad, John Gordon, like his daughter, I mean, like his book helped my daughter with her eating disorder. And so hearing these little things, it's like, wow, like that's my dad. That is so cool. And so now that I get to do that, it's so fulfilling cause it's like just keeping it going. And that's also a reason why I decided that I wanted to actually pursue speaking. Cause yeah. I said, I have the ability to impact so many people because mm. I know this stuff like the back of my hand. Right. And so it's, just, it's really fulfilling. I love it.
0: Hey friends, I just wanted to take a quick moment to introduce the new official sponsor of the always better than yesterday podcast, Map Media Online Marketing. Map Media have been involved in the production of over 100 interview sessions. I highly recommend their services. Map Media Online Marketing are an independent agency who specialize in content marketing, helping business owners get their message seen by the right audience. If you want your business seen through the power of social media, head to mapmedia.online. You can find the link in the show notes. And here we go back to the interview yeah Uh, yeah hats off to your dad for the books they've you know 100% needed to hear some of the things that your dad put in his books along my journey my backgrounds in policing and your dad put in you know in his books things I wasn't seeing with my eyes right they spoke to my heart you know my eyes wasn't seeing the type of positive leadership he was talking about but my heart knew that it was possible because of the words that he put on a page and I guess the, the interesting thing for me in my own kind of journey, um, I'm a bit older than you, but, um, is, is understanding that, you know, cause I used to li- listen and read, uh, your dad's books and the likes of Simon Sinek. Um, and I come to realize that, do you know what, sometimes if, if you don't share what it is on your heart and your mind, the person who needed to hear it doesn't get to hear it. Right. You know, and and I think sometimes having a connection with a Jade or Orion, actually, they might be able to hear what they need to hear through you because of the person that you are, who you represent, and particularly for the like, the young generation as well. I I imagine that there's a there's a connection that you're having or gonna have with because leadership it's, it's a behavior, it's it's not a title, right? And 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 you're gonna call the the leader out of. The, the next generation is that something that you specifically have a passion for?
1: Yeah, I I love speaking to you know everyone, people of all ages, but mm. I really have a heart for the younger generation yeah. because they're what's coming next. They're the people right. who need it. I feel like you know because we have this older generation where a lot of their leadership is not positive leadership, right? It's like following rules and following orders, and so if we can teach the younger generation where they're struggling with, you know, bullying, negativity, with self-image, because when you're in middle and high school, I mean, it is hard, right? And so when I think about what I went through and those, when I was in, you know, middle and high school, if I can be that light or be that person that's young enough to still relate to them and still maybe get through to them, because they're not really going to listen to my 50-year-old dad, right? (laughs) And so if I can be that person that's talking to the younger generation about, Feeling yourself with positivity and belief and learning how to deal with those people who are picking on you and all those kinds of things, then that's what I want, right? Like a lot of older people, they can learn how to do it a lot of times themselves. They can read books but that younger generation, like they just need to be poured into, maybe they don't have a good home life and they don't, they're not really taught these things. And so if I can, you know, I'm traveling to a lot of schools Mm -hmm. doing workshops with a lot of teens and just, we even do virtual events as well with teens to just try and help them be more positive to lead themselves and to lead others. I mean, it's, I have a huge heart for that.
0: Yeah. I love that. What are your, um, is it, do you have a favorite book or favorite set of principles from the books that you love sharing?
1: Yeah. So I mainly speak and do workshops on the power of positive leadership. Mm. And so one of my favorite lessons or principles in the book is about creating great relationships. Mm. So it's about the four C's, which is communicate, connect, commit, and care. Mm. So we we communicate to connect we connect with people, right? Because that's the whole goal. We want to have this bond with them. And then when we connect with people, we have to show that we're committed to them, like that I will show up for you, that I'm on your team, that I'm here for you no matter what. And when we do that, we show that we care, right? And that's the whole goal. People just want to know that they're cared about. And when you're leading people and you're in an environment, relationships are the most important because yeah. if you don't have relationships with people, if I'm trying to lead you and I'm trying to help you to be your best, or we're all trying to achieve the same common goal, you're probably not going to be likely to listen to me, right? Mm. But if you know that I have your best interests at heart, that you know, I really care about you, you're going to be more receptive to feedback, to our common goal of all trying to achieve one thing instead of it being so much accountability, right? (laughs) It's again, finding the balance between love and accountability of, hey, I love you so much, So I've earned the right to challenge you. And so those are two of my favorite things to talk about, because I feel like it's just so important when you're talking about any, you know, role of leadership, or even if you're not a leader and you don't have a title, right, if you don't have a title, but you're still leading people having those relationships are crucial because you're really really not going to get anywhere. You're not going to lead them because they're going to be like, why am I listening to you? But when you have that relationship and you've shown that you're committed to them, that no matter what you've got their back, it changes everything.
0: Basic human psychology, isn't it? Just wanted to feel safe and cared for. And yet so often that doesn't enter the workplace. Exactly. I remember in policing, it was like leave all that at home, leave all your emotions, leave all your feelings, leave whatever's yeah. going on in your home life, leave it all at home. And it meant that people were only bringing half of themselves to work.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. You, no, it, it's not belonging, isn't it? it yeah. You only belong if you bring the best half of you.
1: There you go. It's good. That's really good.
0: Mm. But that's not belonging, is it? That's um. That's just fitting in. Yeah what sort of resistance do you experience? You know, do you experience resistance? Are people pretty open? You know, do you have to soften people up before you so go use the big care word and love? And when you, I mean, it's America. So I guess it's a little bit more receptive than, than maybe us uh, Brits.
1: I mean, I feel like now with this whole movement of like, again, different leadership, we're getting away from the whole tough love kind of thing. And now people are realizing that you have to show you love to be able to have those relationships and that you care. And so I think people are definitely more receptive to it. I know there, of course, are is, there's people out there that are like love. I'm not going to show that I love them, you know, but it's seeing the difference that loving your players or loving your teammates or loving, you know, the people that you lead at work or even your family, just seeing that I think is making people more receptive to it to say, okay, there's something to this, right? There's something to loving my people, but there's also something to loving what you do. Cause if you don't love what you do and you're showing up and you're trying to lead people and there's no love in it, you're not going to be passionate about it. You're not really going to achieve greatness, right? So it's all about just finding the balance of love, but also holding people accountable. Cause you don't have to like love people so hard. Like I love you so much. But yeah. it's like I just want to show you that i care sure. but i'm also going to hold you to a standard and the thing i've
0: come to realize over the last couple of years is that love looks and feels different for men and women and and you know we we have a a perfect example in jesus around what love looks like in terms of a behavior particularly for a man when he has love in his heart which is humble enough to serve and noble enough to sacrifice yes. and and i think that's a wonderful image for what we're talking about loving in leadership is the is that uh, i care so much that i am i'm willing to serve um and i'm prepared to sacrifice and yet i think people have got it the other way around they think that by having the title they've earned the right to be served and they'll sacrifice others to to get more of what they
1: want exactly yeah and that's what we talk about When we talk about the four C's and creating those great relationships, when we talk about commitment, it's service and sacrifice. It's showing up for somebody, even if you don't want to, showing that you're committed because you can't be a good leader if you're not serving or sacrificing for people. Like you said, we think it's the other way around and it's not. We always say that servant leaders, they go first. They lead the way.
0: Mm. Mm. I see in your LinkedIn profile, you're working on a book with your father.
1: That's in the works, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's in the works. <laughs> yeah. it sounds we got like the some, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A new idea or an extension of an existing idea?
1: I mean, I think more so, I, I want to focus on confidence. Confidence sure. and courage, because I think, again, speaking to the younger generation, I think we need that confidence now more than ever. And when I think about confidence, I mean, I still struggle to this day, but what always brings me back to knowing who I am is my faith in the Lord and who created me right and so figuring out how to get that message across to younger people even if I'm not saying directly about my faith but allowing them to have confidence in knowing that they were created for a purpose and that they're here to do amazing things and try and just help them to Be their best selves, even if there's so much around them that's causing them to feel insecure, to feel like they're not good enough. Because when we do workshops, and again, I work with a lot of teens, I have them do this one exercise where We're talking about fueling yourself with optimism, positivity, and belief. And I'm saying, okay, write down three thoughts that come into your head that are negative thoughts, right? And a lot of them say, I'm not good enough. You know, there's somebody out there that's better than me, or I'm not whatever, blah, 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 whatever it is. And then I say, okay, now write three positive truths that you're going to speak to those lies Mm -hmm. and seeing them stand up and share. I always say, okay, we're going to be really vulnerable. Come on, somebody share. And so when seeing these teens stand up and say, I'm not good enough, Mm -hmm. that's the negative thought that comes in. Then they say, I am good enough. Like I'm here in this position for a reason. Like I have, you know, whatever, because I worked for it and getting them to speak that truth to those lies, Mm -hmm. I think can help anybody. But just, I think again, now more than ever, the younger generation, they need to have confidence in themselves and who they are.
0: Yeah, I I think a a byproduct of an increasingly godless culture and society is one that makes gods of culture. Yes. And that's really dangerous. So I interviewed a parenting expert. His name is uh, Dr. Gordon Neufeld. And he said something in his book that horrified me. He says that if children don't go into the world with a clear sense of their identity and their values, societal values will become the cost of their acceptance.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, oh shit! Like, so that's that's a call to action for me and all parents listening. Is that, you know, it's it's important to lead in the home to create a sense of identity, to create a cell a sense of um values, because otherwise they'll be learning that through TikTok and YouTube and culture and what's popular, and and that's dangerous.
1: Yeah, very dangerous,
0: particularly when it comes to confidence, because it's it, it. it gives that kind of conditional level of confidence, which means I will only feel confident if something is present. If I look a certain way, if I have a certain thing, if my views or my social count is a certain way and, and that's uh, anything but the truth.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's, it's crazy just to see how social media has had an effect on, you know, cause it wasn't as prevalent when I was young and I know that I was dealing with a lot of, you know, confidence issues and, you know, seeing things in the way of the world, but now having access to that right at your fingertips as a young child, I mean, it's so, it really shapes what you see because that's all we really see right now is the world, right? We, a lot, a lot of, you've lost a lot of, biblical things or evangelism or just talking about how you know the gospel is so important and it's just like how do you feel well it's not about how you feel it's about what the bible says it's about who god says you are you know so it's just like it's just crazy to see how far away we've gotten from that
0: last year you took a trip to the promised land or the holy, the holy land rather
1: yeah it was yeah. probably one of my one of the best experiences i've ever ever experienced in my life mm. Why'd you go? Well, again, I, I'd gone through a very traumatic breakup. And so I was just in a place where I was like, okay, God, strengthen my faith. Like, I can't get through any of this without you. I need you. I really wanted to, again, strengthen that relationship. And uh, one of my dad's friends had reached out to him and said, how would your you know, daughter like to go on an all expenses paid for a trip to Israel? Oh. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, the crazy thing is at first I was like, no, I don't know anybody who's going. I'm like, how do I, how do I even know this is real? Like this could be a scam, you know? And I was like, no, I'm not going to go. It's for 10 days. Like, I just don't think I'm supposed to go. And I reached out to one of my mentors and she said, you're going, if you get a chance to go, all expenses paid for, for 10 days, you are going. And so I was just like, okay, fine. And so I went and I was surrounded by pastors, people who just were the most amazing people. And when you experience something like that together, you are bonded for life. And so they're now pretty much my family. We talk, you know, I talk to a lot of them all the time and I'm going to one of my friend's weddings uh, next month in less than a month. And so it's just cool to see the buy one living color and to experience you're like walking where Jesus walked. And we did a worship session on the sea of Galilee. And that just blew my mind of like, Mm -hmm. Jesus walked on this water. And here we are singing about how good he is. It was just so crazy. And it really, it opened my eyes. I mean, it made me like at first, you know, my relationship with God was like, okay, you know, he's my creator, but now it's like, it just it just shocks you right to be able to like see the holy land and think wow like this is this is amazing it was Mm -hmm. it was the coolest thing ever and I'm so happy that my mentor convinced me to go
0: your dad shed a um a post of a guy singing in Mm -hmm. were you there when that was happening yeah oh man like I played my wife she's um she's on the worship team and she sings and we were just like whoa just goosebumps listening to that guy's Voice uh, that was powerful. I can only yeah. imagine what that was like to be there and, and witness that.
1: And he's just the most amazing guy. He was actually here. I got dinner with him a week ago, him mm-hmm. and his wife. And What's just to hear him, his name is Stephen McWhorter.
0: Yep.
1: And just to hear him sing, and we also sang when we were um, at the garden tomb, we mm-hmm. pretty much sang that whole trip. Mm-hmm. And so just experiencing his amazing voice and his passion for the Lord. Yeah, it, it was just unlike anything I've ever experienced. I mean, you go to church and you listen to worship. And one of my favorite things about going to church is worshiping, mm-hmm. but it was a whole nother level being in the Holy land and listening to him. I mean, I'm like, can you come to my church? Like, you're just, <laughs> he, And he's just the nicest person. Yeah. And so I think that when we were in those different places, it made the experience so much better because we were all singing together. We were all worshiping together. Whereas like, yes, we were going to places and we were praying and we were, you know, but worshiping and his voice, I mean, mm. in that church in Bethlehem with the acoustics, it was unreal.
0: Yeah. absolute biblical. Yeah. Mm. I love that. That's so powerful with, um, With one of the things that you shared earlier, you talked about the four Cs. And I think there is more and more and more of a need of connection than ever. You know, connection with ourselves, connection with other human beings, whether that be in person, online, whether it be work, teams, families. What are some of the ways with which you help people build connection?
1: I always encourage people to learn how the people either they lead or people at home or if it's a relationship Mm -hmm. to learn how to communicate in the way that they want to be communicated to because if I'm leading you and I communicate a certain way but you don't communicate the way that I communicate (laughs) there's probably going to be a disconnect right Mm -hmm. so I always say first off start out by figuring out how they want to communicate be communicated to? Do they want you to leave them a note on their desk? Do they want you to go out to lunch and have a conversation? Do they want you to call instead of texting? Or they do, they want you to send an email. So I always advocate for that first of like, just get to know them, figure it out. And then once you've kind of figured it out, make the effort, right? Show that you're, you want to connect with them, show that you're committed. And a lot of the ways I'm like, People don't realize the easiest thing you can do is send a text and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about you," or, "Hey, want to get together?" Right? Yes. I feel like people don't do that a lot anymore, especially in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. go out to lunch with somebody, yeah. like hang out with them after work or mm-hmm. after whatever it may be. Right? Make sure that you're trying to create those connections outside of work because otherwise, they're just going to see you as this work person, right? Yeah. And so I think challenging people to do that and just get out of their comfort zone. And something I also encourage is the power of encouragement, right? The word encourage means to put courage into. So if you're communicating with somebody or trying to show that you're connected or you're committed to them I always say send them a text and say hey I'm so grateful for you or you did such a great job today or whatever it may be right just encouragement those little words are helping you to connect to people and it can change your whole dynamic in your relationship
0: I think people are so in their own heads about yes. coming across as cringe or awkward or too worried about being vulnerable too busy and they're really missing the point that this is done in the small moments like you just said a text yeah like a moment like be available for a moment i think so many people are so busy and wrapped up within their own work priorities task lists emails that they just need to get their heads up and, and look around and lead from where you are. And there's this uh, Japanese phrase, I think it comes from like Toyota or it's called get to the Gemba, which means get to where the work happens. If you want to be yeah. a great servant leader, go to where the work happens. You'll find, you know, you'll you'll be able to see the ways to make their lives easier and better.
1: I love that. That's so cool. Mm. But that's it. How do, how do we,
0: we're not supposed to be mind readers. Right not supposed to be mind readers like and that's a fair point if someone says oh how was i supposed to know that good good good, good challenge go and find out yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly what you've gotten, said yeah we've gotten so far away from being vulnerable i feel like and if you're able to just be vulnerable with people and say hey you know this is how i feel or yeah. I feel like you're not making an effort to have a relationship outside of work or whatever it may be, just voicing those things. Cause, like you said, they don't know until you tell them. And so I think we've gotten so far away from feeling like we can be authentic and tell somebody how we feel. And there's, you know, all these different things. And I think we need to get back to that, especially if you're trying to create those relationships. Yeah. It's important to say how you feel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the word vulnerable. Is becoming slightly overused in our work because yeah. I don't think vulnerability is a strategy. I think vulnerability is a byproduct of doing all the things that you talk about, particularly caring for people. Mm-hmm. You know, showing heart, caring for people. The vulnerability is being rejected, being ridiculed, being mocked for, for, for being that way, right? And and particularly when we come to the world with our own kind of traumas, our own, you know, relational issues and being rejections or whatever that might be but i think that that's why it takes courage to do that and and i think you're absolutely right hitting that on the nail on the head is that to have courage to show up to do those things as an act of love it is courageous
1: i also think that it has to be authentic, right? Because if we're going into situations and we're just like, okay, well, I'm going to be vulnerable and it's not authentic. People can tell that it's not authentic. They can tell that you're not doing it for the right reasons. And so again, it comes when you're creating those great relationships of you start to open up and then you're vulnerable because you have that relationship with them, then they know it's authentic, right? So I think that having that making sure that you're not coming across that you're just like trying to be vulnerable because you feel like you're supposed to but yeah. making sure people are understanding that you're doing it because you want to create this relationship with them
0: 100 percent, and that has to be felt that authenticity is felt through the energy and uh, i was talking to someone earlier they were asking me about podcasting and uh, and i just said one of my basic number one tips is have have conversations you want to have come, you know, with people that you want to speak with. Yeah. Like, as if you're having guests on for the sake of it, cause they tick a niche, like, you know, who's going to have the good experience, you, them, the listener, like you, if you fuel that conversation with someone that you love, or you really enjoy their work and you're going to have a good conversation, it's going to be authentic. And, and I guess the same was probably true of yourself and the content that you speak about. You have to be engaged at the heart for you to feel like you're the most powerful speaker that you can be.
1: Yeah, that's actually so true because sometimes when I, you know, speak or I I'll tell stories at first, when I first started out, I was like trying to figure out the stories that I was going to tell when I was, and I didn't feel connected to the stories. And I remember getting up there and speaking and being like, okay, that was not good because my heart wasn't in it. Right. Because yes, I was teaching these principles, but the stories that are supposed to be applicable, it was like, okay, well, that was like so many years ago. I don't even remember that. I'm just trying to say it because I think it applies here. Mm -hmm. But now that I found stories that I'm really passionate about telling, it changes everything. It changes the way you speak. It changes the way that people are receptive to what you're saying. So I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah. Especially that faith, that, um, that lady praying for you. What a story that is. Yeah. What a gift.
1: Yeah, and I I have been telling it a lot recently, and I've had I just did an event at um, this hospital, and these women came up to me afterwards, and they were like, "Thank you so much for sharing that, because I'm struggling right now, and I feel like God's you know calling me to do this, but it's not the safe route, and I don't know if I should step into that." And she was like, so just hearing you say that, just, yeah. it really helped me. And so it's like, wow, I can ch- like help people by telling my stories that I'm passionate about. And,
0: and that's it. So in, I think in 1 Peter, it talks about the gifts and the skills and the talents that we have. They're not for us. They're for those in the world who need them. And like, and, and, and when we surrender that ego, because our ego says, well, who's going to want it? how many people are going to want it? Is that enough? Should it be more? And then you share, you humbly share, and you show willingness to walk the path of God. And then a little reminder comes that that one person needed to hear that today. And that's all that the heart needs to know is like, I'm going to keep doing this one person at a time.
1: Exactly. And that's what really fuels me is because again, a lot of times I have that imposter syndrome where i'm like oh my gosh my dad i'm comparing myself yeah, yeah. but then i think you know what if i can get up and when i get on stage i know that it's not me i'm using i'm allowing god to use me as a vessel and sure, so when yeah. i get up on stage and i say okay holy spirit use me flow through me impact if i can just impact one person it makes it all worth it it makes makes the stage fright worth it it makes you know doing all of this worth it and so that's just what i have to think one person at a time
0: Love that. I was I was watching a documentary called The Moses Code um, a couple of weeks ago, and in it, it said, you know, Moses was like, "Who am I to lead? Like, surely not." But in his willingness, it surrendered his ego, allowing God to work through him. And it's, it's you, what you just said there, is just that willing vessel is is all we're really here to do is is in our surrendering to do the work that we're here supposed to do. We allow that love, that light, that God to manifest through us, and ultimately touch and impact the lives of the people who needed that
1: exactly. I love that
0: mm. with um with your with your gift, you know, was speaking always something that was something you liked to do? I mean, I look at my daughter now and like she's gifted with a voice of singing and acting in a way that my son and I aren't. So it's very clear to me that that's her thing like she's been given a gift my son doesn't have it I can't sing it's clearly given to her from somewhere do you know what I mean so as a parent I'm starting to be able to I call it nurturing her nature right
1: because
0: I see that there's something about her natural capacity to do that better than the rest of our family how do you kind of see the perspective of your gift? Is it something you've had to nurture? Is it something you've had to work hard on and practice? What's your perspective?
1: So I would say growing up, I've always been pretty outgoing. Um, I did have a really big fear of, you know, public speaking and getting in front of people. I could do it in front of people that I knew and it was smaller groups, but I was always afraid of getting on stage and speaking in front of a lot of people. But um, it's just one of those things that again, I have to think it's not about me. Like every time I get on stage, sometimes I'm shaking, I'm nervous, I'm freaking out. What if I'm not going to do a good job? Yeah. But ultimately I have to say that prayer of God, just use me because this is not about me. This is not about how well I can speak about how well I'm going to do. This is what are people going to hear from me? And how, do, how am I going to say it that they're going to be receptive? And again, just one person at a time. And so I would say, The only thing I've really had to nurture is my stories and how I tell it. I've always had a very outgoing nature. I could talk to anybody. I've never met a stranger in my life. I am very much like my mom in that way. We're very similar. She's never met a stranger. She can talk to anybody, anywhere.
0: Um,
1: And so it's not nurturing, you know, my natural ability. It's just my storytelling and, and how I'm going to tell it. So people are receptive, but yeah, I would say, I feel like that's one of the gifts that God has given me is my ability to probably talk to a wall.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What, um, what chapter of your story are you in at the moment?
1: I would say probably almost towards the middle. Mm -hmm i feel like i haven't gotten to the middle yet because i did just start speaking Mm -hmm. and i was talking to my counselor yesterday so i i go to see a christian counselor every week Mm -hmm. and just talking about how i really feel like god wants to use me in a really big way to impact people but i'm not at the place yet where i'm fully surrendering Just like being honest in my faith journey of I'm not fully surrendering to that. And I think once I do that, then it's just going to, I'm going to start, you know, just doing exactly what God has called me to do. I'm still doing it. He can still use me for his glory. Right. But I need to fully surrender. And I think that's going to help me get to more of the middle or towards, you know, not the end of my story, but more towards this kind of side of the spectrum, because you know, if, if I don't surrender, he can still use me, but he's not going to use me all the way to his glory of what he's called me to do. Right. So that's kind of like my own personal challenge that I'm in right now of like, just fully surrender, just allow Mm -hmm. him to use you completely and totally. Yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) So I laugh because listeners of my show will know the wrestle I've had with surrender over the years. It's my least favorite topic. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, in this Western society, surrender feels very passive um particularly you know from my own background around not having the support to rely on so therefore I've not I don't ask for help I don't like to rely you know so this uh, this topic of surrender is is one that that humors me because at some point if we don't surrender the universe will stick us on our ass you know (laughs) the universe will humble us at at some point and that that surrender will eventually come whether uh, we're willing or not
1: yeah. And that's why I'm like, okay, I'm going to God. Please, God. <laughs> I'm like, I promise I will just give me a little bit of time.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 What's it like living in Austin? I've interviewed a few people from Austin, Texas. It seems a vibe.
1: I love it, honestly. So I lived in LA the last three years and it's just, there's still aspects of LA here where people are like really into health and they're working out and it's very artsy, but it's also people are so genuine and they're so nice. And this area is just like a lot of young professionals. And I've really met so many people that haven't lived here for, you know, more than two years. So everybody's looking for community. Everybody's being nice and meeting people. Whereas in LA, if I were to like talk to somebody on the street, it's kind of like, why are you talking to me? And that's just not how I operate, right? I'm teaching people about positivity and leadership. And so I'm going to talk to everybody and be nice to them. And so I'm so glad that I moved here because I mean, just the people here are amazing. The food, the culture, just, you know, the city itself. I mean, it's so lively and so fun and I love it. I really, it's my favorite place I've ever lived, honestly, aside from Italy, aside from Europe.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah like with um with your dad's work is there anything that you would like add a bonus chapter on with anything that you've learned in your journey around positive leadership whether that come from your sports your speaking whether it comes from having a female perspective on the world is there any bonus chapters you would add
1: i honestly would say so i i look back on my life and i think why did i play lacrosse for so long and I played travel lacrosse so it was my whole life Mm -hmm. and ultimately I went to Clemson and Clemson just recently got a female or a lacrosse team and so I was like why did I play lacrosse my whole life if I wasn't going to end up playing in college and I really think it was because I needed to learn leadership and Mm -hmm. you know being on a team and how to deal with negative coaches and negative teammates and Just learning how to be a part of a team and that servant leadership. And I think it was one of the best things, you know, that I've ever experienced because I did have really, really awful coaches. Mm -hmm. And that prepared me for honestly, probably the rest of my life is, is if you can learn how to deal with negative people at such a young age, then everything that comes my way, I'm like, no, 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 they're not as bad as my high school coaches. And so I think that even though at that time I still was like, oh, I don't want to listen to my dad. Like, this is just annoying. I (laughs) I want to be able to complain, right? But just him at that time using this stuff to help me mentally get through it of saying your positivity has to be greater than all the negativity that you will face like you can't allow these people to get you down and even though I didn't fully grasp that or understand that full concept at the time even those little bits of things were so helpful (laughs) of now at, at 24 of being like okay I can identify what's going on and how maybe this person maybe they're being negative for a reason maybe something's really going on at home and I need to be there for them and say hey how can I support and help you like how can I help you to stop being an energy vampire because one person can't make a team but one person can break a team and I'm not going to allow you to sabotage our team Yeah. and so I think that that's something that I'm so grateful for, because it allowed me to meet so many amazing people, make a lot of friends that I'll I'll have for the rest of my life, but also learn how to deal with adversity and challenges and so much pressure and expectation that I look back and I'm like, yeah, it was a lot of hard years, but there's nothing I would change about it.
0: I can't get over the idea of trying to complain to a guy that's written a book called The No Complaining Rule. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm like sometimes I just want to complain, Dad. Like, just let me complain. Let me vent.
0: uh yeah, one day, kid. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, nope. You have to come up with a solution if you're gonna complain. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, so funny. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um, I have a word here at Always Better yesterday. It's um, it's called heartprint. Heartprint, and it it's a word that represents the legacy of the interactions we have, people with people and in my time in in the police we used to teach something called the lockhard's exchange principle which is the idea that every contact leaves a trace now you know this positive negative you know you've just talked about energy vampires the interactions we have can either leave people better or they can leave people worse and um i just love to know what you hope your heart print will be you know you get to the end of this career of speaking you've impacted people all over the world what do you hope your heart print will be
1: I hope my heart print will be the main thing. I think that I try and really embody is just love. Like, I really hope that I will leave a legacy of love or an imprint of every person that I interact with, that they see the love I have for them, even if I don't know them, that I'm showing them compassion, grace, love, but also the love that I have for Jesus And I want that to be known of, even though in today's society, there's a lot of people that are like, you can't talk about God and you can't do this. But the more that I have, and I've stepped out in that faith of of being like, well, you know, obviously in certain contexts, I can't Mm -hmm. talk about God if I'm in a public school or whatever it is. But just, I, I did it the other day and this woman came up to me and she said, you know, Thank you for sharing your faith. It's making me realize that I need to go out and share mine more. And I remember I was um, on a work trip and I was at an airport and the, at the rental car place, and there was this woman there. And I'm just, I love to be bubbly and just interact with people and just very loving. And I said, How's your day? And she said, Good. Like, thank you so much. People usually don't ask me. She said, There's something about you. I can tell you're different. I said, It's Jesus in me. Do you know him? Mm. And just by saying that i talked to her for an hour she you know t- you know didn't really know she was a jehovah's witness growing up but you know struggled with her faith and didn't know what the difference was between god and jesus and the holy spirit and the trinity and so i for an hour just stood there and talked to her and said you know if there's anything i can ever if you want to reach out mm-hmm. we can stay in contact and yeah. if you have any questions and so just seeing that even if I don't know somebody, just showing them love in, in little ways. I don't have to say love you or hug them just by maybe talking to them, asking them how they're doing. I hope that that's something that I leave, you know, for the rest of my life on each person that I meet is just embodying love.
0: I love that. That was powerful. Thank you Thank for that. You. Thank you. Where can people connect with you? Where can they find more of the great work that you're doing in the world?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, jadegordon11. You can send me an email at jade at johngordon.com and also Twitter at jade underscore gordon11.
0: What's the significance of 11?
1: Um it's a God number. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the things, but also it was my grandma's favorite number and Mm. me and my dad see it everywhere.
0: Yeah. And so it's
1: just kind of become our family number. So my brother's Cole Gordon 11 and my mom, Kathy Gordon 11. And so it's just, we see it everywhere and it's kind of just a reminder of like God is with us.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Jade. I've loved the conversation. Thank you so much for the time out of your day. And I'd be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self.
1: My final thought would be I challenge everybody listening to go out and even if it's uncomfortable, even if you don't feel like doing it, show somebody that you love them. Again, it can be the smallest thing, it could even be a smile, right? We forget that that's one of the easiest ways that we can impact people. If you're walking down a hallway, smile at somebody because typically when you smile, somebody will smile back at you, right? It's our natural instinct. And when you smile, your body actually produces more serotonin. Mm. So you are helping somebody be more positive. So I just challenge you, maybe that's reaching out to somebody, maybe that's just making an effort to do something or just you know showing them that you care, just show somebody that you love them.
0: Jade, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you.